welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, brought to you by Cracked Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin, and joining me on today's podcast, as always, it's my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the superstar of the Stone Mountain Lodge Classic, our very own Maxwell LeBauer Rothman. Maxie, hey, great shot. Alex, tennis is an addiction that once it has truly hooked a man, will not let him go. Oh. Said by the famous Russell Lyons. <laughs> Oh, you've been with Dalton too much. He's rubbing off on you in all the wrong ways. Oh, but in all the right ways too. <laughs> that's well, just that's just a little uh, preview for a little segment for later in this podcast no, I've got for you. I'm glad you came back with some quotes as well. But Maxie, it's great to be back on the podcast with you. Obviously, we had a fantastic weekend together in Stowe, Vermont yeah, for the did. beautiful Stowe Mountain Lodge Classic. An experience we will talk about in today's changeover chat and get to later on. But even beyond that, Max, there has been so much tennis since the last time we got together. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have had this podcast overdue. You know, we've got good old Cincy, good old Rogers, and good old City. Uh, a lot of tennis to talk about. No one Honestly, has ever referred to it as good old City. That's like Manchester good City. Good old City, baby. <laughs> Oh, you titled the episode of the pod so early. I like it. Good old. <laughs> but yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, so many hardcore. I mean, pretty much the majority of the hardcore swing we're going to get to cover today. And unfortunately for us, in terms of the rights, since these events are the television rights, I should say, these events are in America. Obviously, ESPN, Tennis Channel have a lot of exclusivity in terms of broadcasting those events. Uh, highlights are less likely to be found on YouTube. So it's a little harder to give point by point breakdowns as we usually do that being said we have a ton of thoughts to share on those events and that's what we'll be covering today yeah and it's funny because during these events i was asking you if we should get a tennis tv account and (laughs) i still don't well yeah i guess i I don't even know if we should be plugging them i don't know if their stuff is good and that's what i guess i want to ask the fans what do you guys use to watch your tennis because when I'm at the office and my sites are all blocked by my company, which is I was gonna say, so annoying, and do we have to I probably quack, shouldn't be saying this? Do we on have the to pod, quack all okay. of this out? Yeah. I need some sort of way to watch, and I don't know if Tennis TV is the right website. Whatever it is, if you have suggestions for the best overall place to get your tennis content, uh, as far as a visual and match play, please let us know. You know, Tennis TV does seem like the most uh, available route. Tennis Channel, obviously, when you're home. ESPN Plus during the U.S. Open will have a ton of coverage. And if you haven't used your free trial, you know, go take that up now during that first week of the Open because that's when the most tennis is being played. And the dirty secret is all of the big matches are on ESPN by that time, so you won't need ESPN Plus during week two. Uh, But for me... You know, you can find a lot of good highlights on Twitter. So I think don't sleep on being an active Twitter follow because Tennis TV, the Twitter account, great at putting out instant clips of highlight shots. Obviously, there are going to be a lot of those coming up. And if you want to see any of the best shots, you can go find those. There's also at Double Fault. He's a good guy. 
And speaking of Twitter, make sure you give us a follow on our Twitter. Lots of good coverage from this past weekend. Unfortunately, right, unfortunately for you, we're FaceTiming during this, so I can see how cheesy you know that segue was. But you're <laughs> absolutely right. A little bit of housekeeping before purposeful, we start. Purposeful. No, as well done. A little bit of housekeeping before we go on. If you missed any of our coverage of Stowe, of Cincinnati, of the Futures, of the Challenger Circuits, of any event from this summer, go check out our website, CrackRackets.com. An excellent team of writers out there you know, covering this, this game that we love so much each and every day. Alex Gornett, Ryan Cardiff, Matt Stokowiak, Anna Bright, Parson Amati, Bo Trays, I'm sure I'm forgetting, you know, Parker Thieneman, Robert Thomas. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up with the U.S. Open being right around the corner. So, you know, go catch up on anything you missed and be sure. Just set us as your homepage by now because you're not going to want to miss any of our U.S. Open coverage. As Max mentioned, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, you know, see our live now where we're interviewing players, where we're having actual access. And you get to see our smiling faces on video. You know, I wore a brightly colored... Yeah, you get to see... Alex smiling way too hard at Noah and his girlfriend. A little creep, creepily almost. Look, we'll save that story for later on as well. But yes, I, I, there's a lot of teeth, a lot of forehead. But, you know, if you like that sort of and stuff, And a lot of green sweater. And as always, if you haven't yet, go subscribe, listen to the Great Shot podcast as well as our Cracked Interviews podcast. We've had guests Ronnie Schneider, JJ and Danielle Wolf, Manny Diaz, all the next-gen Americans, anything you'd want to hear. We've done, you know, such great content available, so go give those a look. You know, I say this before, I'll say it again. Steal your friends' phones because you don't want them to miss out either. You're actually doing them a favor. And I give the phones back, but, uh, you know, just do this for them. But, yeah, so... Max, I don't even know where to begin because there has been so much excellent tennis. I think what we, we're going to do today, though, is focus just on the two Masters events because that's really our best chance. Yes, the City Open was very um, successful. The City Open revealed a lot about the state of the next-gen players in particular. You talk about the Diminuers, the Rublevs, the Zverevs, the Tsitsipatses. That's its own conversation. We may want to have that another time. So let's really keen in on these Masters events because they offer the best preview, you know, two weeks in a row of what you're going to get from this year's U.S. Open. And so the place we'll start uh, in terms of our coverage because I don't think you can talk about these tournaments without mentioning how great these qualifying draws are. I mean, I, you know, I'm a little biased. I went to Cincinnati, had the privilege of having a press <laughs> pass, and got to be there for those qualifying rounds. You know, these are the finals of challengers. You know, th- those are the type of players you're seeing in these qualifying events. Guys who are ranked, you know, even top 100, but they can't get into these draws because, as I believe Dennis Kudla mentioned when I interviewed him at Cincinnati, there's a, the first name drop of you for there the day. Flingner, cue the drum roll. Or drum, or Flingner, cue the, the, what's the drum? I don't know. You can leave that all and it doesn't matter, but pick your drum of choosing. Uh, but yeah, and he talked about some of these draws are better than the Grand Slams. It's a more concentrated effort of top players. Whoa, whoa. That, that's a huge statement So to say. I, I don't think it is because you talk about it. Only top 50 players are getting into these main draws. You know, these are, other than the Slams, the, mo- okay, the chance so to pick up the most points. Okay, so you're saying it's better because there's more opportunity for No, there are, there are no easy matches. There are no young wild cards in the draw. You know, with all due respect to Jensen Brooksby, who's going to put up a half an effort, you know, Cal Muzu champion first round of a draw is something any professional player wants to see because he's still 18 Absolutely. years old. And that that's just 
very rarely the case in these Masters events. But, you know, it's, so let's look at the results. First round qualifying, Ryan Harrison takes out Ernest Golbus. Bradley Klon, in what's been in a, cr- a tremendous run for him, takes out Bernard Tomich. Mackey takes out Braden Schnur, two top college guys, guys we've seen at the challenger level. Mahout takes out Smichek in three. Basich takes out Christian Harrison. And our boy Yoshihito Nishioka takes out Kobo in three. And so, you know, and then final round, Harrison takes out Mahout. Klon qualifies over Basich. You have Daniil Medvedev, a next-gen star, taking out Mackey, 6-4. and four. Nishioka beating Philip Palewo, former world junior number one, uh, in three sets to qualify. Those are all incredibly high-level matches. So I guess really what I'm trying to preach above anything else is, you know, if you're going, you know, you want to make a trip to these events and you're worried, it's, you know, I don't want to pay for the later rounds or I have to be back at work during the week, go the first weekend because you are going to be treated to some excellent tennis. Absolutely. I mean, I think for anyone who's in New York right now and has the, you know, opportunity to go and see any of the qualifying matches, I mean, this is the same thing. You're looking at unbelievable tennis in qualies. I mean, your your qualifying tournament for the US Open could very well be an ATP 250 anywhere else in the world. And so, seriously, if you're a tennis fan, or even if you're not, and you're just looking to, to dive in, you should absolutely go to these qualifying matches. I mean, the thing that stuck out to me, and we'll talk about this later on, the Bradley Klon forehand, it didn't matter the level. That thing's elite. The, the, the Just the pace of the ball, the, you know, the spin, the fact that it's lefty, and just it differs from the average ball you'll see. The knifing effect of his backhand slice, which in person looks a lot more difficult to handle than on a live stream. I mean, so many qualities you got to see in person. Yeah, it was great to see it. But let you know, let's give a shout out to the Americans who got wins as we transition to our talk about the main draw. A shout out to Sam Query, John Isner, Francis Tiafo, Ryan Harrison, and Bradley Klon. Fliegner, cue the applause. <laughs> and the first match we'll talk about. In all-American matchup, Ryan Harrison takes out Mackie McDonald, who gets a, a lucky loser spot in the draw. 6-4-6-2. I, I guess Rothman... It's sad. Yeah, I, I mean, these are... You That's know, my first reaction. I, like, just... First of all, you get the lucky loser, and you think you go out there firing. You know, you want to make sure that you've given it all you've got. You've gotten the lucky opportunity to even play that match. And I think I've just had a lot of expectations for Mackey, especially after his match with Murray uh, at Cincinnati. Excuse me. Especially after his match with Murray at City Open. That was a three-set match that he... You mean the city? Yeah, yeah, the city. Good old city. Excuse (laughs) you. Um, But yeah, seriously, I I think after watching that match, I was really looking forward to seeing him, you know, have some other good wins in these next few tournaments. And... Uh, it's it kind of kind of sad to see him go down like this. It's not that it was a bad match, just I, I would want to see him take a few rounds in these tournaments to just have a little confidence going to the U.S. Open. Well, the thing that concerns me, and one we we talked about these draws being so good. Obviously, this is the type of first round matchup you expect at the U.S. Open. But then number two, the most concerning thing, and it's something we've seen repeatedly from Mackie McDonald. You know, 7 of 18 converts only 39% of his second serve points against Ryan Harrison, who's a good returner, but he's not anything special. You know, No, he, he's not He's not the kind of guy to smash a return winner. Well, he has been playing a lot of doubles, and I think he can take the ball early, and in this match, that's what he did. But still, for Mackey, you know, he serves 68% on his first serve, wins 63% of those points. That's pretty good numbers, but in the end... 
Harrison, 3 of 5 on break points versus McDonald's, 0 of 2. You know, wins 20 more total points in this match. Just kind of dominated the stat line. Was not really tested in this one. And it's just a concern for Mackey. We talked about it, I think, in Atlanta. Is there a glaring... The difference in these players is, is there a glaring weakness? And the thing you're always concerned about, that second serve, because he's not the biggest guy. Yeah, agreed. If if he wants to make sure that he can consistently win his service games and not worried about, you know, having a weaker serve, he, it's really the second serve. His first serve is fine. He actually has a pretty good slice out wide. Uh, but you're right. It's it's all about the second serve there. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So, you know, not much to say there. And again, not many highlights so in terms of the individual points. Not much to say. But let's talk about our next match. This was a fun one. And when you watch the highlights on YouTube, of course, this uh, Rogers Cup provided highlights of this match. Stan Wawrinka, the wild card into this event, takes out 16-seeded Nick Kyrgios, 1-6, 7-5, 7-5. Always weird seeing a wild card next to a guy like Favrinka. Well, I will say over the two weeks, if you know we're talking big picture, Stan Wawrinka may be one of the biggest winners. It's not to say he's back. You know, I'm not going to make that dramatic proclamation, but he certainly is returning to a top twenty level, a level higher than we've seen so far from Murray, and maybe second only. You know, similar to Nishikori is probably the best comparison. They've shown a similar level to where they are certainly contenders. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I got to point out, just because we, we've made this, or actually this was a Fliegner comment, but the 6-1 curse, <laughs> I swear it, it could be real. It After this ma- first of all, he loses, or excuse me, Bavrinka wins this match after losing the first 6-1, 7-5, Next round does the exact same thing. <laughs> loses the first set, 1-6, then goes 6-6. Six and six. I don't know, man. I, I think Fliegner could be onto something well, here. Well, maybe it's something to the fact that you win a first set so easily and you're so reliant. You're like, I'm going to win the second set, get off the match, uh, you, you get off the court pretty quickly, and then to be forced to be like, oh my god, I blew this guy on the first what happened. You kind of lose it mentally. So I think that is maybe the unsung part of the curse of 6-1. But you know, back to this individual match. There's no guy who will fall asleep at the wheel more often than Nick Kyrgios. And not, nope. you know, in this match, you look at some of the stats. Again, Kyrgios, 26 aces against five double faults. Unbelievable. That's Just ridiculous. elite. I mean, the guy's serve is an elite tool, and it's why. People like me, you know, in particular, I, I just keep falling in love with his game. I will always predict him to go far and be willing to be disappointed because the upside is so evidently clear. You can tell he's still a little banged up. He's not 100% healthy, and, it, you know, that's something you don't want to see. But Lots still, of tape on the knees. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but the guy wins 47 of 55 first serve points. He gets broken. 85%? Yeah. That's, that is That should never lose. Uh, but then in terms of the elbow, you know, only 47% of his second serve points he wins. So he goes 17 of 36. Uh, Warinka has four break opportunities during the match, and they both get two breaks during this uh, match. I, I don't know. Going into, the, you know, I think Kyrgios is the 30 seed, and I think, I, don't, I, I doubt Stan Warinka is seeded. I know he got, I think he got a wild card into the event. I'm certain he's in the main draw. I don't remember if it's by ranking or wild card. Uh, just in general, who are you, who would you be more likely to bet on to go further in the draw? You know, I am going to go with Kyrgios. Uh, I think Vavrinka has shown sometimes to be weirdly streaky since he's been back. Like, I, I mean, I think if anything, Vavrinka is either going to make a quarters or a semis and kind of shock us all, or he's going out first round. 
And then Kyrgios, I think, will probably do his classic third or fourth round exit and blow a match that he, you know, could very easily win if he was more disciplined. His classic third or fourth round exit is a funny way <laughs> of putting his game. I don't know. I, I'm probably still higher on the upside. I mean, at this point, who's fitter? Like, that's really the question, and the answer is neither guy. You know, you're not very right. confident in either in a best of five setting. Stan is one in New York. I guess by proxy or by default, he earns the uh, my benefit of the doubt. I don't know. Both guys, if they make the quarterfinals, it's not going to shock me at all. Both guys are certainly capable of that level. Of I mean, Stan's backhand recently has looked disgusting. I, I think definitely Stan. If I'm going to be a if I'm a betting man, I'm going with Stan the man. <laughs> Good rhyme. I like. It. But okay, let's talk about our last first round match. Daniil Medvedev, one of the next-gen guys I've really been honing in on his game. Maybe it's because he's played so much this summer, but, uh, you know, he takes out Jack Sock, 6-3, I mean, Sock sucks right now. Like, he just cannot <laughs> buy a win in singles. And The I, fact that he got into Labor Cup is honestly so disappointing. Well, okay, counterpoint to that, and I know you get mad when I say this, but he is the best doubles player in the world. Like, by far, unquestioned. Whoa. Whoa! In the world, name a better. You're gonna player. give him that? Yeah, without question. The forehand, the serve, the willingness to move at the net, the the fact that he will hit a 300 mile per hour forehand at your chest and not think twice about it. Just the weaponry, the fact that he always seems to enjoy himself and he vibes so well with his partners. Yeah, I think he's a perfect addition for the team in terms of solidifying doubles points, which is what they're gonna need to win. But that's a discussion for another time. If, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have that discussion as soon as the press play, uh, press pass person gets back to us. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I'll buy my ticket and I'll be out there. Uh, exactly. But so in terms of this match, you know, trying to take some positives for Sock, serve seventy six percent on his first serve, win sixty six percent of his first serve points, fifty eight percent of his second serve points, has eleven breakpoint opportunities, was very much in this match. Only you know Medvedev wins ninety total points to Sock's eighty five. It's indicative of how, how close it was. I don't know, man. I, I think it's a it's a mental thing. How much of this game is mental? I think that's is what it comes down to with Sock. And you see this. We're talking about trends you see from these two tournaments. Sock loses. Uh, first round to Chung in three sets. He loses here first round to Medvedev in three sets. It's a confidence thing at this point, and he, it's, you have to wonder if he gets one singles win at the U.S. Open, you know, he wins his first round match, is that enough to buoy him forward? Who knows? Like, these stats aren't bad. Well, on the topic of mental, Venus Williams once said, Tennis is mostly mental. I hate Of course, it. you must have a lot of physical skill, but you can't play tennis well and not be a good thinker. You win or lose the match before you even go out there. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's there's a lot to Sock's mental game. I think sometimes I see him out there and he's firing. I, I mean, his you actually can really tell with him when his feet are really moving. I think I see the, the most drastic change in his game just based on how well he's moving. Sometimes I see him out there running for every ball. He's on his toes, and sometimes I see him out there and he's just waiting to rip a forehand winner, and if he doesn't hit it, then he's fine losing. I hate you so much. I can't believe you had another <laughs> quote. That's unbelievable. I I legitimately hope that Westoff cuts you cuts that out. And it's... Oh, <laughs> all right, you're, he might have to cue the elevator music, and he may want to cut this joke. And we're back. Um, yeah, I just think... 
I mean, it's uh, again unbelievable that that's the quote you went with. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I I agree with you for Sock. I would love to see him rally. I hope Laver Cup at the very least provides him momentum because I disagree with you. I think he's going to be a star of the event, and I hope we get the chance to see that in person, Maxi. Uh, but okay, I mean, oh sorry, yeah, I don't know. No, I was going to say, I think he's fun to watch when he's happy and smiling and playing doubles. I'm not saying I won't enjoy watching Met Laver. I just, his game is frustrating because I feel like it's inconsistent. Yeah. That's all I had to say. No, completely agree with you. Well, then let's get into some other notable results. A guy whose future I am incredibly excited about, Felix Ogier Alassim, who takes out Luca Pui 6-4-6-3. I mean... we don't have to right, dwell what's in his, We don't have to dwell What's in his that. upside potential? Uh, where where do you high. think he's ending up? He has the serve, the forehand, the athleticism. Don't love his backhand form. A little too close to his body. I knew a little you were going to say jammed, that. But backhand I mean, snob. the forehand is very pure. Um, I, he will be. He will be. He will be top fifty. Maybe even I, top fifty. Probably by the end of next year. Would not shock me if he's top thirty by the end of twenty twenty. Um, I can roll with that. Yeah, and you know Luca Pui. If that's a guy, Luca Pui is as solid as they come. So an excellent win for him. Another one, Djokovic went in straight. Rayonich took out Gofen three and four. Good for Rayonich for getting a win in front of his home crowd. You always got to factor that in. Schwartzman, big confidence win after a rough grass season. Takes out Kyle Edmund one and two. That's a really nice win over Edmund. Uh, Nishioka, too excited to get to Vermont. Bows out early against Carreno Bustas after losing a first set 6-0. He just really wanted to see our faces, Max, so credit to him. He just couldn't wait to get to Stone. Yeah. <laughs> Fognini takes out Johnson. Query takes out Manorino. Bradley Klon, qualifier, takes out David Ferrer, seven six six four, and in the process, knocks out Ferrer out of the top 100 for the first time since July 2002. The end of a reign for David Ferrer. So this is an interesting thing. Klon was a qualifier in this tournament, and I actually asked him during my interview with him what he thought about playing qualifiers and whether that is something that, you know, helps you get in a rhythm before a main draw or whether it tires you out. And, you know, he definitely thought it could go both ways, but he did say he liked the fact that you can get a few matches under your belt and, you know, Maybe this is exactly why. He, it helped him take down Ferrer. I mean, you look at his wins. He took out Tomic and Basic, two sol- you know, former top 100 presences. Right. Yeah. That preps you well. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're playing Ferrer, who's not what he once was. But still, will always give you a big effort. Uh, so great win for Klan. Tiafo takes out Cecinato, 7-6-6-1. Benoit Pair knocks out Jared Donaldson, 6-3-6-4. Jared Donaldson. Cecinato is the only one you're giving the accent? <laughs> well, look, I, 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 it's just because there's a funny twitter video of him of someone like trying to teach john McEnroe how to pronounce it because he kept doing it wrong on the uh, broadcast <laughs> and he's like it's chachinato chachinato <laughs> and so it's stuck in my head but right now jared donaldson ranked number 90 in the live rankings 15 and 20 on the year hasn't made an atp quarterfinal since late february has lost in the first round eight times this year you know he struggled with injuries but still I don't know. Actually, we can save this debate for another time, but the Mackey-Donaldson upside debate, you know, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, I would have said Donaldson, no question. We have said Donaldson, no question. I Like, I remember our conversation. Both of us had him way over Mackey. And now I'm not as sure. I'm really not. I, yeah, you have to I'm wonder. with you. Although, 
give Donaldson again. He's been he's been banged up. I, he's, he's still the forehand, the serve, the weapons are there. It's interesting to see. But then some other next. He still just needs to get quicker. I agree with you. Some other next gen results. Tsitsipas takes out Zoomer. We'll talk about Tsitsipas later on. Chorich takes out Pospisil. Shapovalov takes out our boy Jeremy Shardy. Uh, Hachanov takes out Krajinovic. Uh, Evgeny Donskoy knocks out Andre Rublev. And then Robin Hassa takes out Kane Nishikori, 7-5-6-1. You know, just, uh, you talk about Ferrer dropping out of the top 100. First-round results like this wins from those four guys plus Tiafo. The next gen is here. You know they're ready to assert themselves in the top fifty. They're getting first round wins at Masters events consistently, and it's not just Zverev. It's all of them. It's there's an arsenal now of you know six to ten guys who are all very very you know I don't want to say elite, but they are top tennis players. They are not guys who you you know you can just say oh he's a young guy. I don't have to worry about him in the draw anymore. They have asserted themselves, and this first round certainly reflected that. Absolutely. I mean, if I think if I think back. You know, four or five years ago, I kept saying, wow, there's really nobody who's young that I'm excited for that I I feel like I couldn't see the next, you know, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray. I couldn't see a next big four. Yeah, I threw in Murray there for you. But there was nobody that I was excited about, and I'm excited about everyone now. Everyone that is in the top 100 that is anywhere from 19 to 22 years old there, there's a lot of really talented players, and it's it's fun. I was all in on Grigor. I was all in on Tomic. I was yeah. very wrong about both. Oh, you were all in on Tomic. I'm still <laughs> all in on Tomic. Uh, dude, his game is very, <laughs> the, the Tomic trains and the Kozlov trains are two I know I'm going to die on, but that's okay. Oh, I'm so glad the Kozlov train is just... <laughs> Gone the w- absolute opposite direction. A, I told you. I told you, dude. He's been in. We'll save that debate for another time. I'm in no mood, dude. <laughs> okay. You said, yeah. Let's 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 move yeah, on to the second round. Twelve twenty. Cut me some slack. But, all right. <laughs> let's talk about our second round. We've got number six seed Marin Cilic taking out Borna Chorich in Croatia's favorite match. Six three three six six one. The reason I want to talk about this one, Max. One, we got obviously got the chance to hang out with Chorich a little bit in Stowe. But number two, great guy. I think Marin Cilic, you know, despite making what is it like two out of the past or three out of the past five major finals, something crazy, he is constantly underrated. The guy just wins. I don't. I just don't even think he's underrated. Like I think you could have said that two years ago. I think now I honestly expect him to win most of his matches. There's very few matches where. I say, oh, there's an underdog, and he might be able to take out Chilich because Chilich is a weak seed. Nah, I think that's over. I, I don't think he's underrated anymore. I think he deserves every bit of his ranking that he has, and I very rarely expect him to lose unless it's you know one of the top guys who can really challenge You him. look at the things Chilich does well. 87, wins 87% of his first serve points, uh, 12 aces, 4 double faults, goes an efficient 3 of 3 on break points. I mean, he just controls matches with his serve which is forehand with his presence on the baseline he does an excellent job of it and you know to Chorch's credit Chilich only wins 41% of his second serve points that's a testament to Chorch continuing to improve as a returner something I think will as he continues to get even better will you know kind of unlock even more of his upside but yeah Chilich yeah Chilich still just so strong yeah, I don't know if this is something that I just haven't noticed because I didn't pay enough attention to his game, or I, or maybe it really has improved over the last two years. I think Chilich's movement has gotten so much better. I feel like he 
tracks down balls that I just don't expect a guy his height to get. So to. for me, it's not even it's gotten better. It's gotten just so much more efficient. He he's much more willing. Well, now. Isn't, isn't that what getting better sure, is? Sure, but I, I think he's on top of the baseline now. He used to like kind of you know he liked to stand back. He was a grinder. I always thought he moved well, and I mean grinder. Take that with a grain of salt. But I think now even <laughs> yeah, more so on. than any you know than ever before, he asserts himself in matches. He's willing to up the unforced error count, but he's making sure he's staying on top of that baseline. Yeah, no, that that's fair. I, I think the thing that is pretty evident is that he's being more aggressive. He definitely has totally used his forehand as a weapon, and it is massive. I, I think I will go ahead and say it is one of the bigger forehands on tour. You're talking about Chilich? Yep. I mean, Delpo's got it locked. No one, no one. Well, no, no, no doubt. Delpo, but I, I <laughs> that thing is terrifying. If, if you're talking about the top five, you can't have that conversation without including Chilich. I'm trying to think. Are there any dark horse guys who just slap their forehand? Dude, Jaziri slaps his forehand. It goes out, you, but he slaps it a eh, lot. Do you, Do you put Kyrgios in the top five? Of course. Okay, you uh, have I was to. making sure. It, dude, that's one thing we didn't talk about in his match with Vavrinka. He hit. I think it was a hundred and eighteen mile an hour forehand. Dude, I, dude he do you know, he does if, things that are just. We'll talk about it in his Kudla match. He just, it's so easy to him. It's so easy. But seriously, you, you, if you haven't seen it, there's a video where he they show three forehands of his during his match with Favrinka, and they're they're actually terrifyingly fast. Like, they, they skid off the line, and even in a video, you can, like, barely see them going. He's so good at tennis, he can hijack a conversation about Chilich and Chorich. Like, that is legitimately how good he is. Is it- He just hijacked it. Yeah. He just did it. Well, then I'm going to hijack it back because the next match I want to talk Ooh. about, a match I got to see very much. You know, I made sure to you know throw this on my schedule, sneak myself into tennis TV, whatever it takes, call Guccifer 2.0, whatever the— the hacker is and just Goosefer. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and watch Francis Tiafo, the young American superstar, but a guy who's obviously ducking us because he didn't want to show up at Stowe. But that's okay, Francis, because you deserve some time off after taking out Milos Raonic, seven six four six six one. Max, the reason I really wanted to highlight this match is because it was you who I think said, you know. Francis, for him, the question is always the first serve percentage. When he hits his first serve well, when he's converting on the serve, he's winning matches because he plays such, you know, uh, it's such interesting tennis, such a unique, you know, he's chipping and chopping and getting himself into a ton of return games almost unconventionally. So when he can have that protection of his serve, he, he's just very hard to beat. And in this match, 67% on the first serve, wins 72% of his first serve points, 83% of his second serve points, made sure to get Rayonich stretched and out of, you know, into the outer thirds of the courts. He, plays, he played a smart match. Like, that's a mature victory for Francis. Definitely. And I think something that may, and tell me what you think about this. I think Tiafo does a lot better against players who put pace on the ball. I think he sometimes struggles when he has to control the court and he has to. I'm make so pace. happy you said that. Well, first I should have remembered to say in terms of the generation guys before this generation, I was never excited about Rayonich. I, I think the most offended I, uh, I've ever been in my yeah. life is when someone said I looked like Milos. I was devastated. <laughs> I was so. Who said that? It was my freshman year roommate. He, I, I don't know oh, if he was trying. To, no, I was devastated. Oh, just kidding. He's not a bad looking dude. No, Milos is Canadian handsome, but take that. So is yeah. so is Ryan Gosling. So I guess.
Josh will take it. Uh, but yeah, you know. don't you dare compare yourself to Ryan Gosling, dude. I looked like the Slim Reaper in our video with Ruben. <laughs> <laughs> that green sweater is tight. <laughs> Yeah, but so I think you asked me about Francis and – oh, yeah, about applying pace. Could not agree with you more, and I think the match I want to turn to as the best example, the Delpo match in Delray Beach. When Francis is forced to play disciplined tennis because when he chops, he's just, you know, he's – like you can't get away with that yeah, against Rayonich, against Del Potro. You know, it forces him to play disciplined tennis, and he shows, you know, that's why I get so frustrated when he's chipping and chopping against, you know, the Jack Sox or the Baghdadises of the world in Atlanta. You know, he did spend way too much time chopping the forehand when he didn't need to do that. Yeah, when he plays disciplined tennis, I mean, his upside is so clear. Absolutely, and I think you can see that, too. He's had unbelievable matches against Kevin Anderson, uh, who's actually taken him down once. He... Lost to Delpo once, but took him down in the other one. And he's lost to guys like Shapovalov and Dimitrov, guys who don't give you as much pace, put a little more spin on the ball. So I couldn't agree more. I think that's something he needs to work on is realizing that he, first of all, does have the power. He's a big boy and has big strokes. He just needs to, I think, trust them a little more. Yeah, could not agree with you more. My last question I want to ask about this match, you throw Rayonich in that conversation with Rinka and Nishikori. Who of those three do you see as the biggest threat at the Open? Vavrinka, Nishikori, and Rayanich? Yeah. Three guys. Definitely not Nishikori. I mean, they were all at the top of the game as recently as a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, I, I think I'm still going to give it to Vavrinka. He, no. he looks better and better. I know he's not you know, 100% healthy, but uh, I don't know. Rayanich hasn't been anything stand out, re- hasn't done anything stand out recently, and I always love Vavrinka's upside. Yeah, I, I think you make fair points. I'm not too confident in any of them. I would probably say Nishikori just because I've seen him play at a high level for longer this year. So he's the guy I could see go further, but not too – and we saw him do well at Wimbledon pretty pretty recently. So he lost to Djokovic, what, quarterfinals? So it's, I mean, he's a U.S. Open finalist, but I'll take it with a grain of salt. I guess the Max Rothman endorsement, you have to, you know, take a shot with him in stow. Uh, but, okay, let's move on to our next. Do you know literally what I wanted to make the title of this podcast, but you ruined it with your The City, is I got two phones. Phones. Uh. Well, I was, I, let's, let's not release that story quite yet. I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to talk about that in our changeover chat about stow because that was – too perfect. I agree. But okay, let's move on then to our next match. Equally a party. Tsitsipas taking out Dominic Team, the seven seed, six three, seven six. You know, this is where the rise of Stefano Tsitsipas starts. And the first thing I want to say, even before we get to the ninety-five percent win percentage on his first serve, the sixty percent win percentage on his second serve, the thirteen aces, the one double fault. This guy is, it fears nothing. This guy is going out there and he's going for his shots because he believes if he plays as the aggressor, he can beat anyone on tour. And it's so refreshing to see. Could not agree more. He looked so comfortable and confident out there. He looked like he deserved to win this match. I think the thing, honestly, that impressed me most was his backhand. I think I was always skeptical about it. I didn't think he could hold Very his own and totally proved wrong. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. And you look at the thing, you know, team played well in this match. He went 60 or served 60% of his first serves and win 82% of those points, 52% in his second serves. You know, there's only one break opportunity between them in the match and Tsitsipas goes one of one. 
this was a match decided on thin margins, and you know I wish we had more extensive highlights. But you know, in what I saw, it just looked like in the big moment, Tsitsipas swung away. You know, he just went for it. He's not afraid on the run backhand. He's gunning it down the line, and team does the same thing too. And Stefanos just executed a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you're making two thirds of your first serves. And then you're winning almost every single one of those first serves. You're, first of all, obviously not going to lose any service games. As it shows, he didn't have a single break point against him. And then you basically just have all the confidence in the world to swing away on your return games. And when you're serving that well, you don't have to give a shit. You just have to know, all right, I need four points in this return game. And you've got yourself a set. So to me, the sneaky thing I think Pass did well, and I know you'll appreciate this, Team likes to stand 15 feet behind the baseline. Tsitsipas is very comfortable serving and volleying, and I think he took the time away from team, made him hit on the run, you you know, exposed those huge backswings. Tsitsipas played under him, Tiafa, all these guys are showing a level of maturity that you just have to wonder, when is one of them, you know, I think Rublev made the quarterfinals of last year's U.S. Open. Would it shock me if someone under the age of 22 made a quarterfinal this year? Absolutely not. And hopefully it's Zverev. I couldn't agree more, and and I think the the thing that I love about his game is he is comfortable coming to the net, and there's so few of the next-gen guys that are, and I think I remember, th- this must have been in pod number maybe 18 or something even earlier, where you were like, man, I think Paz could be good, and I totally railed on you for <laughs> saying that. I was like, you're an idiot, his backhand is trash, he's not developed enough. And, man, I was wrong. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I can tell you when it was. It was right before the Australian Open when he made the quarterfinals in that warm-up. I think it might have been Sydney or something. Or, no, no, it was Qatar, maybe. I don't know. Maybe maybe Kosi would know. But, yeah, and (laughs) and he makes the quarterfinals there. And he's fucking good, man. I don't like his hair, but I love his game. Oh, I I love the hair all over the He's got the latousse. He's a, he's a, also a little vocal on court. He Love definitely that. talks. Love his body yeah. language. He dies. Yeah. He loves the sport. He is. He loves it. He's. I haven't seen someone that entertaining since Andy at Wimbledon. Uh, oh, no, I'm just God. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just trying to. No, you're you. not. That's the thing is you're not kidding. <laughs> he is also a pretty good mover for his height. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is so. I mean, that's the question. No, no, no. Can we save that debate, though? Because I want to save that for the Rafa yep, match. Yeah, let's because, move on. Yeah, let's I move agree on. There we got things. other matches. I completely agree with you. So, okay, let's talk about the other notables from the round. Medvedev ends Ogiela seems run 3-6-6-4-7-6. Dude, we rip on the Medvedev forehand, but having watched it in person, the racket speed is way better than we give uh, him credit for. Although He his- said the exact same thing about Ruben. Okay, well, I agree. And uh, <laughs> uh, with myself. <laughs> now, now that you're finally seeing all of them up close and personal. Hey, Alex, great shot. It turns out top 100 <laughs> tennis players pretty good. Uh, they have great rackets. <laughs> 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 Who would have thought? That's so funny. Um, but yeah, um, you know, Medvedev, really low margin of error, really low net clearance. Still played with both these guys, high, high ceiling. And if Daniil Medvedev becomes the new Jill Simone, you know, I'm okay with that. Like, a guy who's constantly hovering in the top 25. 
Really? You're going to compare him to Simone? You couldn't choose someone more obscure? I feel like you've compared like 20 different people to Simone. Dude, because Jill Simone to me is the journeyman who is like a good journeyman. The better Steve Johnson, like in terms of career trajectory. Um, wow. I could argue that, but um, we're going to – let's just ignore that one. No, you couldn't. Uh, but I, we'll, we'll argue that off camera. Okay. Yeah. Off yeah. off mic? Yeah. Probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's o- move on. Only were on Again, camera. Again, <laughs> Rafa rolls in straights. Anderson beats Donskoy 7-6 in the third. Dimitrov beats Verdasco 7-6 in the third. And what and it was a match that has some great highlights on YouTube. So yeah. definitely go check that out. Isner beats Air Bear. Djokovic knocks out Polanski. Schwartzman takes out Query. Karen Hachanov takes out Karina Busta. Hachanov is one of those, again, sneaky good players. A guy who's definitely did going to be— Did you learn how to—is that—did you, like, just learn that's how you pronounce his name, or are you just saying it? Weird? Hachanov? Is that right? Yeah, it's not Kachanov. No, I didn't think it was Kachanov, but I thought <laughs> it was, like— Hachanov or how is that any Hachan- different? That's literally what I just said. Whatever. No, you said Hachanov. Oh, well, okay. Well, Hach- I don't know. I'm embracing <laughs> my roots. Who gives a shit? I think you're just tired. <laughs> well, the point is, yeah, he wins. Shapovalov takes out Fognini three and five. Warenka takes out Vuksovic. Curse of six one one six seven six seven six. And my is. boy Ivashka takes out Ryan Harrison seven six six four. Setting up our blockbuster third round matchup. This is the match I want to talk about because when Stefano Tsitsipas took out Novak Djokovic six three six seven six three. He moved better than I had ever seen from him. And if he's going to display oh that God, level of athleticism, like, he's like, I mean, the obvious, the stupid comparison would be forehand, one-handed, backhand, Federer. And he did things on the move that, okay, maybe young Roger could do. But, and like, that's the crazy thing though. Like young Roger could do, like he has the type of flexibility in his shot selection from any point of the court and he displayed an athleticism to do it that I just didn't know he had. Yeah, I loved his ability to hit the slow roller. I mean, dude, those feet can move. I love. He's a hold on. fast big boy. Can we harp on that? The slow roller, you mean the low cross-court dip? Yes. Could not agree with you more. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And he used it great. I mean, he has to use that in this match against Djokovic. And he executed perfectly. I I feel like I am just him right now, but he he really surprised me. He's he's the real deal. I mean, again, in this match, after going 38 of 40 in the previous one against team, 46 of 55 on his first serve, 25 of 37 against on his second serve, that's 84%, 68% against the greatest returner in history. And I'm sorry, Andy, for saying that, but it's true. You know, Tsitsipas, 2 of 10 on breakpoints versus Djokovic, 0 of 2. Um, I don't know what else to say. It was an elite performance. This guy showed, I think we debated this previously, Tsitsipas for Shapovalov. I, I got to go with Tsitsipas at this point. I just think he plays a smarter game than Shapovalov. Shapovalov may have the firepower, but he doesn't have the discipline that Tsitsipas. You know how much discipline it takes to beat See, Novak f***ing Djokovic? Novak f***ing Djokovic? That's Novak f***ing Djokovic. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, though, is I think you can teach discipline. I think that's just about, you know, 
playing more matches, getting a little bit smarter, watching more tape. If that were true, tape. then Anthony Bennett would be a superstar. And so would, you know, all of these incredible athletes who just go in raw. And there's something innate about shot selection that you can't pick, having a feel in the point. It's something these elite guys do so well. I'm not saying Shapovalov doesn't. I'm saying Tsitsipas does. Yeah, uh, man. You gotta love know. arguing I, with me. It's not like I'm stubborn or anything. No, you're not. You're just wrong half the time. <laughs> But look, I, I am on the CC Paz bandwagon. I will probably still stick with Shapovalov for the time being, but sooner or later, I probably will have to go with CC Paz if he continues the success. I appreciate you acknowledging earlier on, though, that I was on the CC Paz bandwagon from the get go because you I, were I do not really want to be early, accused. dude. You want to know why? Because when Steffi K won the Orange Bowl, guess who he beat? Unbelievable, right? Huh. Unbelievable. That's why I was like, dude, he's beating this guy. Steffi. Wait, whoa. Did you say Steffi K? Steffi K. My boy God, Steffi you K. You are losing it. <laughs> you are absolutely losing it. So you get to call Steve Johnson Stevie J, but I don't get to call him Steffi K. <laughs> no. Yeah, absolutely. That is a totally fair thing. To, dude, what? Steffi K? It's like he's Steffi Graf, but now he's Steffi K. Yeah. he's like It's more than good. It's Steffi K. It's great. I don't know. That, oh, God. That was rough. All right. That... Let's move on to our next match. <laughs> We're leaving that one in. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. But then let's talk about Francis Tiafo because he loses his third round match against number five seed Grigor Dimitrov, 7 6, 3 6, 7 6. You know, he loses two breakers in this match, but in the end, wins one more total point. Uh, the first serve was firing for Tiafo, 64% in, wins 73% of those points, 53% of his second serve points. Actually has more breaks in this match, 3 of 7 versus Dimitrov's 2 of 7. This was an either-or match, and I'll say this, I watched this one as well. Tiafo just played the worst third set tiebreaker I've ever seen out of it. Like, it, he just played, he literally, I'm not trying to disparage the rest because this was a, a wonderful match and I think we should talk about the, what Tiafa should take out of this and how he should construe it as a positive, but he just played a really bad third set breaker. I mean, was that, do you think that was just a result of his inexperience or was it just purely bad tennis? No, he was pressing because he should have, he should have gotten the breaks earlier. He had an opportunity, I believe, to win the match earlier on and let it get back on serve. He was in control and I, yeah, I think he had a little mental letdown. I think that's the thing you take out of this match, but you still look, Francis is competing. He, you know, he is at the same, he was at the same level as Grigor. In fact, I would argue, again, a guy who provides play, pace like Grigor, a guy who provides athleticism, Tiafo has always risen to the occasion, and regardless of the final result, he did so again in this match. I think Tiafo has really shown with his results, even results where he's lost, that he is improving a ton. I think I've seen a Absolutely. lot more tight matches, three-set matches, five-set matches with him. I think it's only a matter of time before he, he really breaks into that top 32. If this happens in New York, he goes on his run. That would just he, – he will play to those New York crowds so well. And so, Oh, he's going to use that energy. That's what I'm It'll saying. be fun. He's certainly the guy who would be – him or Steffi K. Uh, but, okay, let's talk about some other notable results from this round. Rafa and Stan's run winning 7-5, 7-6. Zverev in a next-gen battle knocks out Medvedev 3-2. 
Um, hold that in in your mind because I want. We'll get to Zverev. Kevin Anderson takes out Ivashka five and three. Chilich again a solid win over Schwartzman three and two. He just quietly rolls Hechanov, Hachanov, Kachnov, however you want to say it. Kachnov <laughs> takes out New York. Noah Rupin and Kevin Kachnov. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Hechanov takes out Isner seven six seven six. And then Robin Hassa takes out Dennis Shabavalov, 7-5-6-2. I love Hassa's game. He is a shot maker du jour. He is definitely someone who, if you're just a casual fan, look up some of his highlights on YouTube because it's exciting. Um, but getting to the match I asked you about, Tsitsipas in the quarterfinals knocks out Zverev, 3-6-7-6-6-4. I believe Zverev had match points in the match. This is after the week earlier, Zverev kind of demolished Tsitsipas in the City Open semifinal 6-2-6-4. And Mac, I want to compare those two matches because to me, you know, people are going to say there are going to be a lot of hot takes. Is Tsitsipas the guy to watch from this generation? Routinely, the thing I want to just keep hovering on because I want to be on this bandwagon firmly. Alex Virov is the guy. Yeah, I, I mean, but he's already proven that, right? I mean, is that something new i guess when i'm well i think the un the uneducated fan this is clear i view myself as an elitist and this is why i stand on the lebron side of the lebron uh mj argument like the the thing people will routinely hold against virev is you know he's only made the one major quarterfinal and you know ct pass had a great run at wimbledon but still it's not like he's done anything too special at the majors either but so there seems to be this this debate right now is Alex Vera the guy of this next generation and you know you're comparing the two results in this match you look at let's first look at the city open in that two and four result Zverev serves 63% wins 84% of his first serve points 58% of his second serve points in this match Zverev serves 71% wins 72% of his first serve points 72% of his second serve points you know, he has in the first match three of seven round break points versus Tsitsipas is zero of zero. Second one, Tsitsipas goes four and four, which is a testament to him. But Zverev goes five and 14, still had so many opportunities in this match. And like, this may be a little thing, but first serve percentage, both occasions, Tsitsipas 56% the first time, 48% the second time. These guys know Zverev is the top dog. And like, I just... It's such a fascinating dynamic to me. I don't know. That's why I keep harping on it because it's so interesting because to me, Zverev really is leaps and bounds tennis-wise right now. But just for some reason, he can't he can't just assert himself on a Grand Slam stage yet. And it's just – it's fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, first of all, a few things. Yeah, one, that was a long one. I'm sorry. That was yeah, yeah. that one was long. If I was going to say anything during this podcast, I wanted to get that rant off my chest. Yeah, no, that's fair. It, it was a good rant. I, I think it was a few It was things. a good rant. That's fine. It, it was. Sometimes your rants are just rants and uh, they uh, lose some substance and that's okay. Fair. Um, sec- for, okay. <laughs> However, I, I, um, that was so much. I couldn't even gather my thoughts. But first of all, Zverev is four in the world. I don't care what his Grand Slam success has been. He's four in the world. You, you automatically have to give him the top spot as far as the future of next-gen tennis. I don't care what you say. You don't just, you know, get to four in the world winning crap tournaments and winning crap matches. That's just not how it works. So, yes, he is 
the future of the next gen until someone else proves to break the top 10 and shows me otherwise. Secondly, on the Tsitsipas train, kudos to him for winning this match with that low of a first serve percentage. He won those first two matches before this because he destroyed people with his first serve and was aggressive. To have to totally change that because your first serve isn't on and still be able to win that match is a huge testament to the way he was able to mentally be with it. Like you were saying, he's a lot smarter with his game and just how solid he is from the baseline. I, I don't know what else we can add because, we you know, it's hard. I, I completely agree with everything. I mean, we're just said. good. We're yeah, good. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> we, 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 we covered come, everything. That's everything for sure. That's so <laughs> There's not a single other thing you can say. Not one le- thing left to say except that <laughs> Alex Vera's ground strokes are still so incredible to me. And I'm telling you, oh. we will see him do some things on a tennis court that we have not seen anyone do yet. I'm so confident of that. In this match, you know, people got mad at Zero because I think in the press conference he said he played poorly. And, you know, that's not fair to Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas, again, executed well. I, I agree with him, though. I, yeah. I saw some of this match, and he did. But I think but, that, I think the sentiment is that it's a little salty. Yeah. Also, can I just – I have to go back. I, I was just going through Zverev's recent tournament uh, – excuse me. He won the City Open. Just, he won it. Okay, first of all. He won the City Open, and if you go back to March, just listen to this success for the year. He lost in the finals of Miami to Isner. He lost in the semis of Monte Carlo to Nishikori. He won an ATP 250 in Germany. He won the Mutual Madrid ATP 1000, beat TM in the final. He lost in the final of Italy to Nadal. He... Then, obviously, lost in the quarters of French to TM. He won City Open, and he lost in the quarters here. I mean, the dudes won two tournaments, made four finals. Uh, uh, he's he's good. Look, he's yeah, so I could good. be fabricating this entire <laughs> thing. I feel like Jamie is going to listen back to this and be like, dude, who said Zverev is bad? Like, name the person. And you're right. Yeah, I feel like I have to defend him right now because of what you just said. I, there is no need to defend him. I, I just his really, I guess record speaks the big for thing I really want to remind people, Alex Zverev, like you mentioned, he's number four in the world. He's, what, 21 years old? Like, just, yeah, relax, people. Like, yeah, yeah, relax over every loss. I just feel like he takes a lot of heat for criticism, the same way Murray did before he won a major. And I just... Yeah, it's because he's you, a 21-year-old who's ranked four in the world. He's going to take heat. He, he he does things from the baseline. I just... The way he moves at his size and the pace he can create, I, I, it's so amazing. But, okay, let's move on. Yeah, also, I just noticed he's got a... A pretty uh, interesting birthday, to say the least. You know, good old April 20th. Interesting <laughs> day. <laughs> That's good. I leave it in, and we'll leave it there. But, okay, let's talk about the <laughs> other notable matches. Rafa Nadal takes out Marin Cilic, 2-6-6-4-6-4. I actually watched this match while doing my pregame bike ritual so I could look skinny as hell during my interviews uh, in Cincinnati at did. the hotel. I did, and Cilic... The level he played at the first set when he won at 6-2 against Nadal, I was just, I was like, there's our winner of the U.S. Open. That's our favorite. Because when Marin Cilic is striking the ball with confidence, when he's playing at that level, he is so good. But then, 
you know, he choked. He really did. And Nadal got it in his head, and Nadal found his way to escape. And that's always going to be the question with Marin Cilic. You know, Kevin Anderson, number four seed in the next match, takes out uh, probably a tired Dimitrov. He goes 7-6 with Verdasco in the third. 7-6 with Tiafo in the third. You know, Anderson takes him out 2-2 two and two just when Kevin's serving like that. It's tough. And then Hachanov making a semifinal at a Masters event quietly. I feel like no one gives him credit. He's only freaking 22 years old. Like, come on. That's a big deal. Takes out Haas, a 3-1. and one. Uh, We're going to skip our semifinals because, you know, as good as the Tsitsipas Anderson 6-7, 6 7-6 was, you know, there's only one break of serve in the match. They go combined one of seven on break points. Uh, you know, what? there's a lot of big serve tennis. You can imagine what that match looks like. We all saw Kevin Anderson play during Wimbledon. And then Nadal seems to have Hachanov's number, Hachanov. Karen Kachanov. <laughs> but Nadal takes him out. I don't know. I'm sorry for laughing at my own joke, but he takes him out 7 6 6. You always do. Don't apologize. Yeah. Setting up our finals Nadal, Stefano Tsitsipas. Nadal takes him out 6 2 7 6. Okay, this is a bold take, and you're right. It's late. I'm tired. Maybe that's why I'm saying this, but. <laughs> This match looked a lot like classic Nadal. See, like a classic Nadal Fed match where it's just let's pound the one-handed oh, back in, pound the one-handed back in, pound the one-handed back in, pound the one-handed back in. And I think the thing where you're like, okay, Tsitsipas still isn't quite there. Nadal goes 30 of 32 on his first serve, wins 94% of those points. It was literally, let me expose the backhand. He's going to chop a return back, and then I'm unloading a Rafa Nadal forehand, and he's... Yeah, I mean... Sure. <laughs> That's Holistically, it. We've covered everything. Again, there's <laughs> That <nothing>. is everything. <laughs> yup. Um, no, no, I'll agree. I, I really think this actually was more a result of poor returns. I think when you don't return well against Nadal and he attacks you so hard off that first ball, you lose a lot of confidence because you feel like you just can't get into any points. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is a lot more a result of his return rather than just having his backhand exposed. Uh, But yeah, I I don't know. It it was a tough match. I feel like he really just did not have the ability to get into as many points as he needed to. Again, I I was being hyperbolic when I said it looked a lot like a Nadal-fed match. When Nadal plays an opponent who's a righty with a one-handed backhand, there's only one way to play that match, and that's why he's been as successful as he is, because he knows how to play it. And he did in this one. But so I guess the big thing concerning the movement for Tsitsipas, uh, if you're looking at this, you know, he, he had to have been exhausted in this match. So take it with a grain of salt. But just in general, I, I, mean, I mean, yeah, he just made a semifinal at City. He's now in the final. The City. Here. The City. That's good old City. Good excuse old city. you. <laughs> he just had a tough match with Anderson, which he also, you know, Played amazing in six seven six four. Seven, he also six, loses yeah. first round in Cincy when I was in the press room. And here's my stories from the press room. So cue the you know the cloud sound effect that comes back when it's a flashback. That or whatever. That was a poor impression. But yeah, we were all sitting in the press room, and it was there's he's either pulling out or there's no way he wins first round. And he ended up losing first round in Cincy to Gofen. So yeah, I mean Tsitsipas was drained. But you know our last thought from this. We talked a lot about Tsitsipas. I don't think we gave Nadal enough credit. Like, for this guy, 32, to be doing— I'm never going to give him credit. He's good. We all know it. He plays great all the time. Whatever. All right. 
enough said. I'm totally down. Let's move <laughs> on. But yeah, I mean, don't sleep on him at the U.S. Open. Stokowiak's going to call Nadal his dark horse. You heard it here first. That's going to be like his hot take. <laughs> <laughs> but him and Fed are the dark horses. <laughs> Because we've never seen that before. Exactly. All right. We are going to talk about the Western and Southern Open, a.k.a. Cincinnati. But before we do that, this is, you know, I think we're actually going to divide the podcast into two parts. So we'll release this one first, and then we'll release the Western and Southern recap, as well as our changeover chat discussing our time in Stowe and our thoughts on some of these next-gen guys and their summer. But, you know, Rothman, again, this was a fun part one. Excited to have you stick around for part two. Yeah, I'm always here, baby. Yeah, all right. And so, you know, and again, shouts to Fligner, shouts to Westoff for doing the editing. But we will be right back with you with part two of our coverage of the two Masters Summer events here in North America.